You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Thank you for listening. Hey, good morning and thanks for joining us for our online worship today here at Glendale Christian Church. Today we're in part five of our series, Running for Mercy, as we look at the book of Jonah. But before we get into the message this morning, I want to just share with you one quick thing about what's coming up next Sunday on May the 24th. Next Sunday, of course, is Memorial Day weekend, and normally we would gather for a guest speaker here at the church, and we'd have a dinner on the grounds, and, and it's always a special time of, of remembrance here at the church. But circumstances aren't normal right now, and so we're going to do something a little different for our worship service. We're still going to have communion and, and singing and, and all of those elements of, of worship that we've had for the last few weeks. But the, the sermon's going to look a little different, and so we just want to encourage you to go ahead and make plans now to to tune in. It's going to be a, a special video where we uh, re- just remember and, and are grateful for some of the sacrifices that people have made on our behalf. Today we are uh, in part five of our series, Running from Mercy. And, and you know, one of the most well-known parables that is that Jesus ever told in the Bible is the parable of the prodigal son. It's found over in Luke chapter 15. And few people inside the church or outside of the church, for that matter, if you were to ask them what the story of the prodigal son was about, wouldn't be able to give you some part of the story. Everybody seems to know at least part of the story. And in this parable, Jesus gives us a a very powerful illustration of repentance and redemption. It's the story of forgiveness and celebration. It's a story that's both familiar and heartwarming, and yet it's also a sad story. It's a sad story of resentment. It's a a story of resentment that uh, a son has for his father, so he, he basically asks for his father to die. It's the story that, that illustrates the resentment that a brother could have against his own brother and against a father who would welcome back a, a rebellious son. The story of the prodigal son is, is an unforgettable tale, and it's found its indelible place among the great lessons of the world. Jesus first told that story in Luke 15, but the elements of that story are found in the Old Testament. In many ways, the elements of that story are found in the book of Jonah. And and what you really have in the life of Jonah, you have a father and two sons, God, Jonah, and the Ninevites. Today, we're picking up our series through the book of Jonah, and we're we're in chapter 4, so if you've got a Bible, go ahead and uh, flip over for it. I'd love for you to follow along with me this morning. And in a sense, what we see in the prophecy of Jonah is a loving father, God. We we have a repentant son, the, the Ninevites. And we have a resentful older brother in Jonah. Chapter 4 begins with these words. But but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. Why was Jonah angry? Well, the answer to that question is found at the end of chapter 3. It was the repentance of Nineveh coupled with the, the gracious relenting of God. Those two things combined together displeased Jonah and made him exceedingly angry. It upset Jonah. God had used Jonah to bring about the redemption of his people, uh, the redemption of the people of Nineveh. And rather than rejoicing and and celebrating in what God did, the Bible says that Jonah was angry. What what the people of Nineveh did in response to his preaching, to Jonah's preaching, it displeased and upset Jonah. And what God did in response to the people of Nineveh's response upset Jonah even more. Jonah considered what God did in forgiving the Ninevites to be offensive. And to, eat, and to be evil. You know, Nineveh was a great city. It was the, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. 
the, the Assyrians at the time of Jonah were known to be vicious people. If you've ever seen one of my favorite movies, uh, the VeggieTales version of, of Jonah, uh, it depicts the Assyrians as people who went around slapping each other with fish. And, and that's really just a great depiction. They were, they were mean and, and ruthless for no apparent reason. Historical scholars have depicted the Assyrians as cruel barbarians. Their, their kings were vicious and unmerciful. Today, we would consider them terrorists. Assyria was a terrorist nation, and it terrorized its neighbors. And Jonah and all of Israel wanted the Assyrians to be destroyed. And, and who could blame them? I mean, if, if God had destroyed the Ninevites, nobody would have lost any sleep over this because nobody, nobody cries when evil gets justice. Nobody is upset when the bully gets punched in the mouth. Uh, I mean, who, who was sad when the wicked witch of the East or, or, the wicked, or the white witch of Narnia met their demise? Nobody was, right? Who in the church cried when, when Saddam Hussein was executed? Or who in the church lost sleep when Osama bin Laden was captured and killed? Nobody, right? Because the wicked should be destroyed, right? But sometimes the wicked are not. Instead of destroying the wicked, sometimes God redeems them. Sometimes God defeats the wicked not by, de by destroying them, but by extending grace to them. And what should be the response of God's people when, when God redeems the wicked? Well, for Jonah, it was resentment. Jonah hated it. Resentment is that, is that feeling of anger or frustration of a, of a real or a perceived wrong. And Jonah's, Jonah's anger and, and frustration at what God did for the Ninevites, it gave way to his expression of, of resentment as he spoke with God. Here, here's what he prayed in, in chapter 4. He prayed, he prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah resented the repentance of the Ninevites. He wasn't happy with, with them. And ultimately, he wasn't happy with God. He, he had hoped the Ninevites would not repent and that God would destroy them. They were his enemies and, and he wanted them destroyed. He didn't want them redeemed at, at all. And maybe it's easy for us to read this and to think, well, how could, how could Jonah, a prophet, a, a, a believer in God, how could Jonah think that way? But before we are, are too critical of Jonah, maybe we should look at ourselves. Because think of, of, of that one person that you just really can't stand. Everybody has that one person, right, that just gets on your everlast nerve. And instead of praying for them, you'd much rather just punch them in the throat. Like, it's okay, you're at, you're at home, you can admit that, it's It's okay. We all have those people. But, but maybe we'd much rather see them get what they deserve than to see them be redeemed. Wouldn't you rather see them get justice? Wouldn't you rather see, what, see them get what they had coming to them than to have redemption? Maybe we're not so different from Jonah after all. The older brother in the, in the parable of the prodigal son, he didn't want redemption for his younger brother. And Jonah didn't want his younger brothers, the, the Ninevites, to be forgiven. They, they both resent it when, when people return to God. Jonah resented the repentance of Nineveh and he resented God's forgiveness. Why would anyone resent God's forgiveness? When, when you think about this, what, what good reason could anybody possibly have for being upset that God would forgive somebody? 
I can't speak to exactly why Jonah resented God's forgiveness, but I have an idea, and, and I think it's why most people today resent God's forgiveness, even though we might never admit to it. Who had God shown grace and mercy to before he had shown this to the Ninevites? It was Jonah, right? Jonah, Jonah had been shown grace. Jonah had been shown mercy. It, it was God's redemption of Jonah that allowed Jonah to go and preach to the Ninevites. And if God had shown grace and mercy to him, and he was now showing grace and mercy to the Ninevites, it meant that Jonah and the Ninevites weren't any different. That, that there was no difference between them. They were both equally distant from God or both equally close to God. Jonah was a, an Israelite. He was part of God's chosen people, a, a prophet, for who, as much as we know before this, had, done, had been an obedient prophet and was doing all of the right things. The Ninevites, on the other hand, they were ruthless people. They tortured their enemies and, and even those that weren't their enemies. The Ninevites were not part of God's chosen people. They worshipped all sorts of idols. They were pagans. They were terrorists. They were doing all of the wrong, wrong things. And now the grace and the mercy of God had come to redeem them. And they weren't any farther from God any more than Jonah was. You know what that, that reveals about our hearts when we think like that? And, and what it reveals about Jonah's heart? Is that, that there was racism and elitism in Jonah's heart. His words show that. Look at what he says in verse 3. He says, Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah actually thinks it would be better for him to go ahead and to die than to be considered the same as the Ninevites. We might not think uh, those things in, in exactly those terms, and, and we definitely wouldn't say those things out loud. But how many times have we been, have we been guilty of denying the gospel to someone because of, they belong, because of their race, because they were a different color than ourselves? How often have we treated someone with disrespect because they, they were a different ethnicity than ourselves? How often have we thumbed our nose at somebody or we've been uncomfortable when, when someone who was, wasn't in our socioeconomic class came into a worship setting that we were in? You know what that is? It's racism and it's elitism. And it has absolutely no place in the kingdom of God. You know, during the early days of slavery in the United States, many slave owners didn't want preachers coming around to, to their plantations and preaching the gospel to their slaves. Many of these so-called Christian slave owners believed that if their slaves believed the gospel and were baptized, that they could no longer hold them as slaves. The redeemed slaves would now be their brothers and sisters in Christ, and so slave owners would rather keep the gospel from the slaves and consequently keep these people enslaved rather than to celebrate with the slaves in the gospel of God's grace and the freedom that results. For, for slave owners, it was a choice between economic riches and eternal riches. And then and, and even now, when that's the choice that we have before us, sadly too often, eternal riches lose out more often than we would ever want to admit. These so-called Christian slave owners refused the opportunity just like the older brother, just like Jonah, to celebrate with those who could have been redeemed by God. They, they would have rather had their slaves go to hell than to have a black brother or sister in Christ to celebrate with them on the way to heaven. That's crazy. 
And it's insane. That, that's absolutely crazy that, that we would ever think like that. The, the insanity of racism causes people to grow numb to it. It causes you to grow numb to it. Jonah's racism was so ingrained in him that, that he was numb to the insanity of it all. And even worse, this is what happens to many of us today. We, we have lived life for so long without any real diversity and, and this thinking that, that we're better than someone else, it just creeps into our, into our hearts and we just ca- kind of become numb to it and, and to the worldview that perpetuates from our words and our actions. E- even now, uh, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen this play out in, in the United States, down in Georgia, where a black man jogging around, his, uh, around a neighborhood had 911 called because he was suspicious. How suspicious is jogging? And then two white men hunted him down and murdered him. That's absolutely crazy that we still have people that think like that. And so as, as a church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to absolutely stand with our brothers of, of other races and, and speak out against these kind of atrocities that take place in our, in our culture today. They have absolutely no place in our culture, and more importantly, they have no place in the kingdom of God. We cannot waver on that. We would all do, do well to remember that at, at the ground at the foot of the cross, the, the playing field is level. The ground is all level. The Apostle Paul reminds us that we're all, all in, in the same category. When he writes in Romans 3, he says, For all have sinned. All. Red, yellow, black, and white. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Paul would say, say in the very next verse, he would say, But all who have sinned fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Do you get what Paul is saying here? I hope that you, that you understand what Paul is saying. He's saying that all red, yellow, black, and white, uh, American, African, European, Israelite, Ninevite, all have sinned, but all are justified freely by God's grace and the redemption that comes through Jesus. Listen to me on this. The, the redemption of anyone, of, of any person, should be a, a source of joy and celebration for everyone else who's been redeemed. Instead, we regret and we resent God's grace for those who aren't like us. As if, if, almost if it means as if God no longer likes us because he has shown grace to someone else. Kind of like an older sibling that's jealous of the attention uh, uh, that's given to a newborn child. Or, or an older brother jealous of the attention that a younger brother gets when he comes home. Or like a prophet who preaches to an entire empire and that nation repents. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Because it is. In, in the kingdom of God, blessings for one do not mean curses for another. There, there is no partiality with God, with God, and there is no bottom to the well of God's grace. The, the grace of God that abounds for one people group in no way limits or hinders the grace of God available to another people group. The, the grace of God that's available to one person doesn't limit the grace of God that's available to someone else. But, but this type of thinking is, is so prevalent in so many aspects of our life, and, and we don't even realize it. We think that if someone else receives a good gift from God that, that we didn't get, that God must love them more than He loves us. That's not true. That's simply not true. That's a lie straight from the pits of hell. But that thinking trickles down into all kinds of different areas of our life. 
We, we begin to think that if someone else gets a promotion or, or gets a pay raise that we didn't get, that, that God likes them more than He likes us. Or at the very least, our bosses do. We, we begin to think that if anyone disagrees with our opinion, that, that they hate us. Or, or if the priorities that, that someone else is concerned with are different than mine, then, then they must be evil. Again, we probably wouldn't ever say those things out loud because when, when we say those things out loud, it sounds crazy, doesn't it? But we certainly behave that way. Paul would write again in Romans chapter 12, he would say this. He would say, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Not just with people who agree with you politically. Not just with people who have the same skin color as you or make the same amount of money as you do. But everyone. Another way the Bible says this is found over in Ecclesiastes 3, uh, verse 20. Solomon writes, all come from dust. You know what that means? It means that my lump of dust isn't any better than your lump of dust. And your lump of dust isn't any better than my lump of dust. And, and if God is gracious to save any lump of dust, all other redeemed lumps of dust ought to celebrate. The Bible is, is very clear about this. White dust is not, be, is not better than black dust. And black dust is not better than, than brown dust. And brown dust is not better than red dust. All dust needs the cleansing power of God's grace and mercy. Jonah thought the Israelite dust was better than the Ninevite dust. And it caused him to resent God. And somehow, amazingly, this is, this is incredible. Amazingly, God was still gracious to Jonah. The, the way that we view people who are not like us reflect how we view God. Jonah viewed God as, as someone who was unfair because the way that he viewed people. Ultimately, jo Jonah's resentment was not with the Ninevites. It was with God. And when we treat people poorly because of, of race or gender or socioeconomic class or whatever reason make, that makes them different than us, ultimately we are devaluing what God calls his most prized possession. Jonah was insolent and, and he was disrespectful. He was profane in the face of God. And yet God restrained himself. And God was gracious to Jonah. Why? Well, because... God is God. And God was going to treat Jonah once again like he treated the Ninevites with grace. Think about this. Think about what Jonah was accusing God of or what Jonah was charging God with. Because really all Jonah ever did was charge God with being God. And in doing so, he revealed the darkness of his own heart. He didn't falsely accuse God. He, he disdained God for who God is. He showed contempt for God. He hated God's compassion toward the Ninevites. He, he resented God's kindness. He regretted God's mercy. And while it's easy to point all of those things out in Jonah, we should be careful to find, to, to find that we often share those same sentiments. Jonah forgot that, that God had been gracious to him. Jonah forgot that God was kind to him. Jonah forgot that God was merciful and patient with him. Ironically, we love God for being patient with us, don't we? But we aren't always so enthused when God is patient with our spouses or with our children or with our co-workers or neighbors or anyone else who, who looks or thinks differently than us. We want God to be angry with those who, who sin against us, right? But we're not always so enthused when, when His anger 
is against our sin. When, when God is merciful to those who show no mercy, we, we easily find ourselves despising God for being God. We grow impatient because we perceive that he is, He's taking too long to change other people. He, he's taking too long to make them what I think they should be, what I want them to be. And so we resent God for giving people the space to repent. So like Jonah, many, many of us grow angry and we grow resentful because God doesn't do what we think God should do. God doesn't do what we want God to do and when we want Him to do it. I want to be very clear about this. Resenting God is sinful. Accusing God of wrong is sin. Not trusting God's will and, and submitting to His ways is, is sin. And yet the only known cure for sin is found in the good, gracious, patient, and merciful character of God. So, so think about how gracious God has been in redeeming you. Consider how, how patient God has been in forgiving you. And, and consider how merciful God has been in looking past all of your failures. And rather than condemning you, supplying you with all the things good in Christ Jesus. With all the grace and the mercy that, that, that we need. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. But, but the next verse, the one that we often overlook, is, is just as important because the next verse says that God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Not, not to point us all out as guilty, but to redeem us from all of our guilt. To, to change us. That's what God sent Jesus into the world to do. And so when we allow Jesus to do that to us, we should celebrate. And even more, we should celebrate when it happens for those who need it, just like we do. When you consider again the goodness and the grace and the mercy, the patience and kindness of God, you find yourself faced with the same question that God asked Jonah at the end of chapter 4. Here, here's what he asked. Here's, here's what it says. It says, But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry. To put it another way, God was saying, have you, have you really got any reason to complain? Look at all the things that I have done for you. Look at the way that I have shown you grace and mercy, the, the way that I have redeemed you. Do you really have anything to be angry about? And so I want to challenge you this morning to, to look again at the grace of God despite the depths of your own sin. See, see the goodness of God in, in your life and all the blessings that He graciously gives to you even though we don't deserve any of them. Then honestly ask yourself this question. Do I really have any reason to complain? Do, do I really have any reason to complain? When, when I think about Jesus on the cross, despised and rejected, wounded and bruised, you know, the sinless Son of God taking the punishment that, that you and I deserved, buying our redemption with, with His blood, when we ask ourselves the question, do I really have anything to complain about? Jonah didn't have any reason to complain. And because of Jesus, neither do I. And neither do you. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. And Father, we, we ask your forgiveness. Uh, we, we confess our sinfulness in, in ways that we have treated people who aren't like us poorly for the simple fact that they weren't like us. Father, we, we, we confess that and we ask for forgiveness. Father, we, we want to repent of that and, and move away from any kind of thinking that, that makes people seem less important because of some difference that they have with us. Father, we know that all people, all people 
are created in your image. And because of that, they are your most prized possession. And so, Father, may we treat each person that we ever come into contact with, regardless of their, their skin color, their gender, their socioeconomic class, whatever, may we all treat them with the grace and the dignity that they deserve because of being a child of yours, by being a creation of yours. Father, would you move in our churches to speak out against injustices that take place against our our fellow brothers and sisters. Father, would you use the platforms that, would you allow us to use the platforms that we have to speak grace and mercy and kindness into our world? Father, would you begin to do something in our own hearts that would eliminate any prejudice that we, we might have ever had, that it would be removed from us as far as the east is from the west? Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the redeeming power that we find in him. That, that grace and that mercy that is, is given to, to all people freely. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.